Yeah, it's time to do something. Hey ho, let's go. This is 102.3 WHIV LPFM in New Orleans, and you are listening to Get Check, Get Fit, Get Moving. My name is Mark Allendary. I'm with Doc Griggs. Before we get started, let me remind you all that WHIV is a community radio station, and we provide a platform for independent voices with your support. All WHIV hosts and DJs are volunteers, <laughs> and we do the service and uh, for the community, because now more than ever, we need a radio station that's dedicated to human rights and social justice. So please consider becoming a member of WHIV by setting up recurring donations of any amount that you wish. If you can donate $1 a month, 5 10 whatever you have the means to do, that would be amazing. All donations to WHIV are tax deductible. So you can also go to our station uh, uh, website and check out our T-shirts, hoodies, mugs, uh, all our other swag. You can find that at whivfm.org. Thank you for your continued support of WHIV. We're not a radio station with a mission. We are a mission with the radio station End All Wars. Doc Griggs, how so, are you? So can we play the music again? He said all that in one breath. I, man, I, you, I was moving and you stopped me. All right, you said get started. No, you said you said you said get checked. You said get fit. You said get moving. Get moving. Hop, <laughs> skip, do something. We're bopping our head doing this. Oh yeah, it is really time to do something. And he said all in one breath, folks. Can y'all believe that? Go ahead. I'm trying. I'm trying, dude. You, me, you, you asked me, to, you dude. Asked like, me to this get is moving. live radio at its best. It is live ladies radio and at gentlemen. Asked Eric asked me to do something, and I, dude, the pod is hot. To do something. That was an active song. Eat healthy. Be healthy and move, and then all of a sudden you stop. Dude, see, the pod is hot. Right Go ahead. It's waiting. That's, see, that's why it's called community medicine. This is called uh, community literacy, right? <laughs> I'm literally in the community, taking him literally, trying to find out that he's Are not going to be hyped and want to move. No, I'm sitting there wanting to, you know, it's called Play stalling. It. I can it's do the other. Stalling. Yeah, it's called Here, you want to read this instead? No, because you just did. Here, well, maybe no, we'll you do good, very good at the reading part. Read that. You read that and I'll find it because he's very good. And I want you to breathe this time. Actually, you know what? Breathing let's, let's is have, essential. Let's have Dr. Akuli. <laughs> let's adore you read this. Don't get You'll nervous You'll appreciate now. this. You're on the yeah, this is, this is our guest, Dr. Adore Akuli. Hi, Dr. Adore. Go ahead. Hi. Preventing HIV is easy. Get prep. You can get free HIV testing at any Access Health Louisiana location. Plus, same-day primary care appointments are always available. Access has a new location in downtown New Orleans at the Python Building, where individuals may be seen for diagnosis and treatment of HIV, STIs, and PrEP. Plus, all Access Health Louisiana patients qualify for discounted medications through our pharmacy. For the location nearest to you, log on to accesshealthla.org. That's accesshealthla.org. Thank you. Now we're going to do the uh, intro. Now we're going to start over. Go ahead. And, uh, yeah, can we get... Yeah. 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 
Can I go back on air now? now yes, we can go back <laughs> on air. We're hot. We're skipping. We're doing something. This is the Doc uh. Griggs show. The, the, the Check It, Pick It, Moving Show with Dr. Darian Doc Griggs. Uh, sponsored by Access Health Louisiana. We're throwing it in. It's Mardi Gras season. That is the only healthy second line song in the world. And I'm looking. That's me and the free agents. We're doing another song. If you want to create another healthy second line or any other song, you have a musician and a vocalist here in the room that happened to have MDs. Go That's figure. That's right. Dr. Derry plays the real... Are you a musician too? Dr. Adora? Nope. Okay. <laughs> we thought. Well, we have a producer. We, we, have, we, have three, we have three MDs in the room right three, now. Three, three MDs. And, and an MD to be. And an MD to be. That's, that's, <laughs> that's reading. You, you can tell I'm the boring one right. of this duo. Um, but it's second line season. You guys heard him say that. I am. That, that, I, you heard him say oh, yeah. that he's My the boring one. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. The proof is in the pudding. Uh, it's uh, it's Mardi Gras season. One of the big things that I like to tell people to do happened to be with Dr. Derry, who's an infectious disease doctor. My specialty is community medicine. The things that we do where we interpret things so the community can understand them. It's Mardi Gras season. It's that time of year. Doc, it probably is about to be one of the busiest times of year for you. Uh, everyone comes in town during Mardi Gras. They do their family. They Hold bring on, their smiles. Are you talking about STIs or are you talking well, about colds? Well, we can talk about that too. <laughs> they bring their bugs. There we go. They bring their colds. <laughs> they Got bring it. their colds. But they, if they're STIs, they bring their STIs and they leave them here after Mardi Gras with us for us to crowd the ERs and the doctor's offices. There's a such thing as we call the Mardi Gras cruds or the Mardi Gras flu. Yes. We don't wash our hands. We don't think about the beads being unsanitary. We share drinks. We share bugs. We share the whole deal. Everyone leaves and all of a sudden it's over and we haven't had any sleep we, the streets are full of beads the streets are full of and beads they're, they're that clogging you pick up. the uh our, they're clogging our, the, the our cytochrome the b450 system. systems and our livers are, <laughs> are hyped up off of all of the festivities and which means that it's weakened our immune systems and everyone gets mysteriously the mardi, mardi gras sick out right that happens from wednesday to friday after fat tuesday and right for a lot of us i can i'll never forget uh it was in 2000 Ooh, 2007, you, you 2008. Forgot. Yeah, for, no. For, for starting no, I a sentence to say, I, I never forgot. I literally forgot. <laughs> right. I forgot, an, I forgot an entire Mardi Gras. It was the first Saturday, first weekend of Mardi Gras. Uh, I had hit, hit a party uh, a couple days prior. I had not washed my hands. I had not gotten. I was doing the Mardi Gras ah. thing. A buddy came to pick me up for the first Saturday parade. All of a sudden, I got the chills. I went from freezing to cold to having him turn on the heat, turn on the air. Uh, I had the muscle aches and I uh-huh. slept literally for the next week and a half. I lost 17 pounds Ooh. in a week and a half. Uh, friends were checking on me. They'd wake me up to eat. They'd wake me up to sleep. I refused to go to Hold on, they woke you up to sleep? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they woke me up from my sleep to make sure that I was awake. Eric Riggs is not yeah. on game today. Yeah, That's yeah, okay. Yeah. We'll get him there. Dude, I got some coffee. <laughs> you know what? I hadn't had any coffee today. Um, but my point is the, the, the Mardi Gras. The, and that year, I had actually had my flu shot, uh, which means that I thought I was protected. I thought that I took it for granted. Oh, you um, got the flu. Yeah, I got the yeah, flu. Yeah, so that it was, was a flu. Was, it was a flu was, vaccine that failure. Was, that was a flu vaccine failure, and yeah. it was when we talk about the importance of the flu vaccines, and we talk about the importance. The biggest thing, if you're afraid of needles, you can do is wash your hands and stay away from sick people. And if you're sick, stay away from, stay stay away from everybody. From, <laughs> coming from a doctor, this is no, a no, doctor. No, no, wait, don't start that because remember, I told people. you I didn't want to see patients. I wanted to do community medicine. They asked why I don't like sick people. Oh, there's a difference dude. between sick people. Well, then and we have a meds. People. We have a med student here. Yeah, yeah, don't don't listen to, to him. This. All the, right, the <laughs> difference between a sick person <laughs> and a healthy person, and you you see this in 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 your specialty. There are people that have the exact same disease and disease state. The sick person comes in and tells you how sick they are, and they take that march toward death. They act like 
like it. They talk like yeah. it. It's yeah, you're right. You, uh, then you have patients that have the same disease and they are the spokesperson for that disease. Yeah. I have the flu. I had the flu. I'm sick right now, but I'm washing my hands. I'm going to sleep. I'm doing whatever, and I'm going to be fine. Next week when I come, I'm going to be even better. Yeah. There's a difference between sick and healthy people. I like healthy people. I like sick people. I'll leave that for all y'all. Oh, Eric, Eric. So, so, so the reason why we have Dr. Akuli on, we're going to talk about her in a second. Corny transition. <clears throat> yes. No, no, no. But I do want to. to the corny. No, no. We're gonna we're gonna introduce uh, Adora Akuli in a second. Properly. Uh, but. Last two weeks ago, when we were last on air, we talked about how uh, physicians don't go to the doctors. Oh, we're, right? we're, we're, we're the worst. And then we said that male physicians are even the worst. So we okay. definitely don't go to the doctor. But you just made me realize something else about men. Yeah. Men are the worst sick people. Oh, man. When, you, when it comes to men and Ooh, women, men are the. When it comes to having a simple cold Let or me flu, slam my finger men, in the door. <laughs> men are the worst well, when it, They are the biggest <laughs> yeah. wusses yeah. when. When it comes to you. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Cooley, would you agree with that? Oh, completely agree. <laughs> well, what's the dude? Like, you know? It's just a flu. Yeah. It's just a cold. It's just a cold. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I can't breathe. Right. You don't seem to understand. I can't breathe. And I just coughed right. up. I just had Look, a transplant. This is actually, right. this is a specimen. I just coughed up a piece of my lung. It's a specimen. You want to see right. it? <laughs> Look, I have it in a, po- in a paper towel in my pocket. You see, you want to see? <laughs> you have no, dude. You have no idea that happens more than you think. You it, it, that happens a lot. Actually. Doc, I just finished coughing. Da, da, da. I, I like, coughed. I put in a cup. You, you want to bring it in? No, no, no. They'll be like, do you want to see? And I'm like, nope. Don't need to see anything. I I believe you. Actually, like it looks just like the picture on WebMD. <laughs> Doctor Google said, and this looks yeah. like it. I'm, you um, want me to just take a snapshot? Come men, on, men are the are are, and I often tell like I often tell people like you could always, um, you could always tell the tenor of a male, uh, depending on how they get sick. Yeah. If they are whiny when they get sick, mm, you know they're a little like. But yeah. if they're like super like you know like yep I'm sick and you just kind of handle it like like uh, you know like they're you sick. should right. Yeah. Then that's 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 trustworthy man. When but the dude who like just all of a sudden, uh, you know, kind of like ends up like feed me, like he says, give me this, oh, you no, know, no, like no, and you're yeah. like you have a runny nose, you know. Yeah, so Adora is sitting there smiling. Adora, this is this is you you know this right? You've seen this before, right? There's, there's something the most though, annoying. The most annoying, yes. right? Most annoying. <laughs> so what's the most annoying? So this is like this reminds me of the Family Guy episode, like what grinds my gears when Peter had the radio show. Yeah, I want to talk. What grinds your gears about the, that? that well, hold on. Before we do this, let's, yeah, just, oh, let's, let's, let's introduce her. Yeah. And all right, so if we're at least God. This is community radio at its Did best. It it's a quarter. It's a quarter. It's a quarter after. You are listening to one hundred two point three WHIV. This is the Get Check, Get Fake, Get Moving show with Doc Griggs and Doctor Derry. I'm Doctor Derry. That's Doc Griggs. And today we have an incredibly special guest, somebody who I uh, consider to be a friend and somebody that I admire greatly. And that's Doctor Adora Cooley. Who, uh, sorry, <laughs> she just looked at me. It's Dr. Adora Akuli, who is a Nigerian physician uh, and uh, has moved from Nigeria to the U.S. Uh, after she, uh, I'm going to say, single handedly prevented the Ebola virus from spreading throughout her country and uh, her entire country. Her, and uh, came to Tulane, uh, where she got her MPH in international in um, epidemiology and infectious diseases, and is now applying for residency to stay in the U.S. to do residency program and ultimately infectious diseases. And we'll talk about her story briefly because I've documented her story repeatedly. 
Breathe. <laughs> I've documented <laughs> he her said story it. repeatedly. Breathe. Uh, Breathe. I've documented her story repeatedly yeah. on W. We have two long, two amazing hours of her story. Uh, but Dr. Cooley, so before we get into that, so tell us about the some of the what grinds your gears, Les, Doctor. Grind the gears about Griggs. the male. Griggs wants to know what grind. Griggs wants to know what grinds the gears. We see our periods every month, and sometimes we're like it's really really painful and all that. We deal with that every single month. Right. Yes. And <laughs> a man just has yes. a come on cold, and it looks like he. Better just, yet, let me get. He let just us had. Get, get he gas. just had surgery, and he has to be in bed, and yeah, all of a sudden. And yeah. he can't eat he can't sleep yeah, he can't yeah. do nothing and you have to uh, so, you have to babysit this man right, so yes it's a yeah. common cold wait, wait 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 hold on doc wait there's no need wait. to be like you're dead uh, I'm, I'm waiting for the funny part yeah so yeah. that that's what exactly. i get and yes. when I, the thing is when i say yeah. menstrual pain right. it's like oh it's just menstrual pain it's just you know it's just menstrual pain so just deal with it right, you, right. so have you seen month. have y'all seen the uh the simulated labor videos where they take the electrodes so they you want to explain it for them well they put it they 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 want men to feel a little bit of what women feel when it's labor and they literally (laughs) they put it in like your like they put it on their on their belly or on the belly yeah the lower belly put it in like it's like an emg machine they don't put it like near the loins it's like an emg and they turn and they just keep turning it up this is a contraction. And you need to see the men. <laughs> oh, really? Is it really? It's, yes. We should, we should play. We should do a video. And, and, and I think we should try it in studio. there's some cultures. Can we do it? I'm and down. There's actually some cultures that don't let women, they don't, they don't permit women to actually scream out when they're in labor. Really? Yes. There's some I, cultures I that saw they tell that. you to be strong and don't say a so word. Don't, don't, don't give a sign of pain. Right. Don't give up that sign of so pain. And that's what a man couldn't even deal with just for that. So. Yeah, so oh, I, I can't so watch I, the video with the dudes <laughs> on the electrodes. I'm like, oh no, man, stop, so turn that on. I, that is so cool. I have two stories about that. One is when I was a medical student. Two? Yeah, I have two stories okay. about that. One, when I was a medical student, I saw a woman give birth and did not say a word. She had no, like she came in, she was laboring, they didn't have enough time to give her an epidural or anything, and she literally passed a child and did not scream out or I mean her tolerance her pain tolerance I mean it was kind of it was weird and then the second thing I was going to say too is that Jon Snow the father of modern epidemiology yeah. who who gave rise to public health actually do you know what his claim to fame was I mean it wasn't taking the 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 pump handle off of the Broad Street pump, Broad Street pump. he was actually an anesthesiologist and he was the first mm-hmm. person who started to uh, uh, give uh, anesthesia to women wow. for delivery and it was that was an and antithema they were like yeah because and so he did it for the queen and when the queen did it that kind of gave you know the the male patriarchal society was so extreme at that time that they were like no that is the natural you cannot prevent a woman from having that pain so when the when the when the queen did it and john snow attended to the queen yeah it set that bar and that that whole that mindset at that time so at the time from what i'm saying i'm don't i don't quite remember my medical history as well but that was one of the number one causes of death for women was childbirth yeah bed birth fever bed birth fever it's it's yeah that was actually and that's another story is uh, the person who helped who helped deal with that with was uh, Samoise, mm. the uh, guy yeah. who uh, ignaz ignaz uh, Samoise, who yep. invented uh somebody had to invent hand washing 
and yeah, the hand washing talked about that. just wouldn't wash their hands yeah, yeah because yeah because hand washing that's a whole that's going to take us down a whole other yeah. pathway no, no, I'm not, and I'm, let's, I'm, I'm, I got the let's turn. I got the yeah, turn yeah yeah let's not let's not let's not go down that pathway the other thing i was going to say about dr cooley that i think is really exciting that's really is, cool about yes Cooley. is that dr cooley was is uh was uh was called uh and is notable for being a healthcare hero as designated by mr bill gates Wow. Called her hmm. uh, uh, his uh, healthcare hero uh, for uh, her activism uh, in healthcare and the work that she did for, by and again single handedly preventing. And can I say that, Adora? I mean, I, I I I can say that. She, I know you. This is a very humble woman. If it were me, I'd be like running around like I'd be like Ebola, Ebola, Ebola. Like I prevented Ebola. That would be me. But the <laughs> universe is fair. If I had to put up with that, I wouldn't be. Here. The universe is fair. So I'm going to take and make the corny corny turn from that. I'd love to hear the story uh, about your experience with uh, Ebola. And but, but we were going to do a, 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 a do. brief. Right? Yeah. I had told her that we would do like a, a very quick summary. I mean, because, it, you know, she had Ebola and it's a painful process. But Adore, yeah. just very yeah, briefly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so in December 2013, um, there was the first case of Ebola in West Africa. Um, it was a two-year-old boy in Guinea that had the disease, and then from there it spread on to different countries, went to Liberia, crossed the border to Sierra Leone. And um, so I was just in Nigeria, you know, working um, in a private hospital in Lagos when... You uh, had just finished your internship and getting ready. I had my internship in my um, national youth service. Right, and you were getting ready, and you were interested in endocrinology I at the time. I was interested in endocrinology because I had... Um, Family members who had a lot of endocrine issues, and I diabetes thought, you know, was in your family, diabetes, right? There was even um, um, parathyroid adenomas that you know supposed to be rare, right? From where I come from, but you know my mother had that, and um, so I was really interested in that for a long time. But um, I also knew that we had issues with infectious disease, and infectious diseases are diseases of poverty, and that's that's where they thrive in communities that don't have you know much in terms of um, resources, literacy, and so. Um, patient just comes into the hospital and um this is a first patient first with patient from uh, he get, from come from liberia, liberia yes and he had come to your hospital yes. unwittingly with ebola uh, yes. virus disease and nobody knew it at the nobody time nobody knew it at the time you didn't know it at the time we knew that there was an outbreak in west africa and but we didn't know we didn't have the means to diagnose ebola yet um because we had never experienced ebola in, in nigeria and also it spoke about our level of emergency preparedness. We weren't as um, prepared for the disease, which is you know, something that I feel like everybody should be able to take home um, some lesson, um, lesson from that, that um, just because something is not happening where you are, doesn't mean that you should be lax about your preparedness because anything can happen and things can change within a split second. And mm -hmm. that's how things change in Nigeria. When the patient came into the country for a meeting in another city in Nigeria, not in Lagos, but he had to stop in Lagos first. And so at the time that he, he the patient came in, there was a massive uh, doctor strike in the federal hospitals. So only the private hospitals were actually seeing patients. The patient came into the hospital and... Um, was treated as a as a case of malaria, and then a couple because of days, this was because that is a, the common had, the fever. The patient actually had malaria um, parasites. When so we he had so so it looked he like came he in had looking malaria. like malaria, and, and you did a thick and thin smear, yes. and they were positive. And the main problem with Ebola is that the first couple of symptoms, the first days of of the symptoms, they actually mimic 
typhoid fever or, or malaria, it's very non-specific, very vague symptoms, fever, joint aches and pains, general malaise. Um, so there's really nothing that tells you that it's Ebola unless you actually do the, you know, the diagnostic testing for Ebola. So PCR. the problem was that the patient wasn't getting better on the anti-malaria medication. And, so and, and can I interrupt one more time? I'm interrupting a million times. I'm sorry. But at this point, there That's was also right. no, because you didn't suspect that he had Ebola, there was also none of the, uh, he was, there was no quote unquote Ebola ward. There was no contact precautions. He looked like a, a case of malaria. So we're trying to set up how easy the unknowing of a diagnosis with something that's highly infectious like Ebola could easily spread when people aren't thinking about it. So let me tell you that when I was in med school, we were told that Ebola is something you just have to learn about because the likelihood of actually encountering a case of Ebola was very slim. This, we and this is this. in West Africa. In West Africa, in Nigeria, we're told, you know, right? we just, I, no, I went to med school in Ghana. You went to and Ghana, And so I was right, told, right, you know, right, this yeah. is just one of those viral hemorrhagic fevers that, you know, that we hear about, but you're not going to see it. So right. just learn it for the sake of it. And so this patient, maybe that's the reason why we were not prepared. Right. That's we thought right. it was just one of those things that would fizzle out. Right. Just right. like there have been so many outbreaks of Ebola in the past. Yes. In Central Africa Central that fizzled Africa, out, right. that didn't yeah. that didn't get past 400, you know, cases. Right. And a very short time, say two weeks, and the, the outbreak was over. So we assumed that that was how it was going to be, that the outbreak was going to end that way. But we didn't see that it was going to spread the way it spread to involve like over 12,000 people, you know, dead. So um, we immediately alerted um, the World Health Organization. We alerted... When she found out that... When we started to suspect. Suspected, we hadn't found right. out yet because we didn't have the means to diagnose and, the patient. And you were the physician that was directly attending to this person. So this was... And you were an intern. I mean, it's unbelievable, uh, you know, and... and I wasn't you, an intern at the time. I was you, a medical you officer. You were a medical officer. Yes. And... And also, just as a, a little detail that I think is very, um, very telling, tell tell about right before that it was when it was your birthday and you had to attend a lecture, and that that snippet of information at that lecture helped you make that final diagnosis of Ebola. So um, the patient came into um, the ward in July, and my birthday was on the twenty first of June. And it was a Saturday morning around 9 a.m. And there was this continuous medical education program that was talking about Ebola. And I wanted to attend the program. It was just, it didn't make sense because it was my birthday and it was a Saturday morning. It was 9 a.m. and I wasn't on call. So right. I was supposed to be enjoying my right. weekend. Your day off with it, your family. Because yeah. when we have calls, they are long. Yeah. So when you have a oh, weekend. Oh, you don't have the work hours like there is here No, and no, stuff. no, we don't have that. We can work, <laughs> you can work 72 hours and nobody gives a... Right. Damn. <laughs> that's so, old school, though. That's how we grew up. That's, that's the way arrogant. we came the idea of work hours. Do old to, yeah. We do old work school. You got hours. off when you got off. <laughs> yes. <Right>. And so <laughs> when you have a weekend, it's like, don't do anything. Just just lay in bed. Just right. rest. Enjoy. Just sleep. Do they get just lunch eat. breaks? People actually eat? Like, what? So this Saturday, but I wasn't interested in what was going on in West Africa. I wanted to know more about the outbreak. So I went for the program. And right. so they were just talking about the numbers. And I was like, yeah, this is not going to come in here. Right. No. Um, yes. Yeah, so 
the main thing that I took from the 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 program was that Ebola would affect the liver and it would cause cause maggotly elevated liver enzymes. And so I took that home, of course, with the numbers and the scary things and and the case fatality rate being so high and how you know. So I I took that and this patient happened to have very high liver enzymes. He and that got neg- you thinking. It, it got me thinking. So he wasn't getting better on anti-malaria. And you had known that if you have malaria and you have these symptoms, once you start these antimalarials, you, you should start, start to seeing get improvement. Yes, and he's he not would, getting better. He was His fever was, he was actually, his temperature kept rising. And even when you gave him um, anti, like uh, antipyrectic, he would still be like feverish. Tylenol. Yes. So, right. so that, that was a thing that I found out that Ebola, even if you gave antipyrectic, like, th- like Tylenol, you would still have the fever. It wouldn't subside. The temperature wouldn't, wouldn't cool. Right. So, um, I told the nurses first that we have to be careful now. I don't know your level of, um, infection control and your precautions, but let's be careful that we don't think that this patient actually has malaria that this might very well be a case of ebola but the only thing that we can do is alert the um authorities and let them know that this is what we suspect we don't know when we're going to get the the results back we don't even have the equipment to even test we don't even have the personal protective equipment what right. we had was ding, gloves ding, ding, and ding, ding. we wow. were so we were not personal protective so unprepared personal protective equipment are the masks the gloves the gown the spacesuit the hazmat suits all that other you name Which it didn't, even the, didn't exist the at that we didn't time. have that we had to yeah. make do with what we had we had shoe covers we had gloves we right. had hair covers we had a a, a gown that was like a three-quarter length in arm so we just so your arms were exposed we were exposed right and we still had to give care and, and uh, uh yes and you had to give your i'm sorry i didn't mean it dora i, I don't um it, i just want to say if you're tuning in you're listening to 102.3 whiv this is the get check get fake get moving show with doc Griggs and dr Derry. it is our special 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 honor to have on somebody who i admire greatly somebody who bill gates has called his healthcare hero it's an honor to have dr adora cooley who I, I can say without any hesitation, single-handedly prevented uh, the Ebola virus uh, from spreading throughout her country, Nigeria. She's now uh, lives in New Orleans, uh, where she just uh, completed her MPH and is uh, uh, now getting ready to start her residency in internal medicine to go on to do infectious diseases. I don't want us to like because I know we've talked about what happened when you had I Ebola, and I and I don't want <laughs> no, us, no, no. You know, and I don't want us. To, I know there was a lot of we've talked about that at length. I just want to um, I want to pivot the conversation a little bit. If you could just the reason why we had you on air is that two weeks ago Eric and I were talking about um, what it's like for men who get sick, right, or doctors who get sick, and how we're the worst patients. And I had talked about when I was in West Africa in Sierra Leone, how I had um, when I got a little cold or a little temperature, how I would panic. You freak out. You, f- of course, you freak out. <laughs> yeah. And I've thought like there's nobody can understand that freak out unless you are there at that moment. And and Eric, Doctor Griggs was trying to. He was being, it was a very rare moment, but he was being very empathetic with me. And he actually was trying to put himself in my, and I said, you know what? There's only one other person that I know that lives in the city that would understand. So maybe we'll just take one quick minute just to 
tell us what that was like, and then we'll just, I want to spend the rest of the time talking about infectious diseases and your studies and kind of what your plans are. So, because we've talked at length about your experience with Ebola. But for me, when I was living in, and I didn't, I, I attended to people who were, you know, sick with Ebola, but I was wearing extreme, you know, personal uh, protection uh, equipment. I had on all the spacesuit and all that stuff. And then ultimately I left that behind to do the clinical epidemiology work that I did with the WHO. I want to, I want to pivot. I want to, because we have two, and this is a unique experience. Um, we have someone who treated, came in to treat from the outside that did not have it. And we have someone to treat from the inside and we have another physician observer. Uh, I want people to hear both sides what it's like because there was an Ebola scare here. Um, and I think people need to understand that perspective. And then I want people to understand, based on the perception here, what he went in with because you've both, both phenomenal, phenomenal work. And I want people to under, for our listening audience, I want them, we can talk about all this other stuff offline, but I want them to hear the, the experience. We joke a lot and we play, but there's so much respect. So when there are great things done by great people, I want great people to hear about it. And I'm really, the no joke, Mark Allen, I'm very, very serious. So your experience as a doctor uh, with Ebola and then the perspective from that side, but then from what you're hearing and what you saw and then the commonalities is right. where the truth is, where the people need to hear. So that's, Good. So He's just, talking yeah. to you, Doctor Aquila. So yeah. when yeah. I when I started to, he doesn't realize how great he is sometimes. <laughs> but when I'm with you, I only say I only say that like, in private. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I, I never hear that from you. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely serious. <laughs> so before I had Ebola, I wasn't one to actually fall sick. I would have the yearly malaria. I would say every time it was almost my birthday, I would have malaria. So wait, you actually have you get malaria like every year. So I need people to understand that that is <laughs> people don't get that, you, that it does actually happen. You don't necessarily die, but you get. What's it like to have malaria? First I would of all? say um, I already have immunity, you right? Know, so a certain level of immunity from being bitten every time by by mosquitoes. <laughs> so you're um, the first time you have malaria it would be like you're about to die. Like the flu, the first time. I had I had malaria once, and it, it was like you're about to die, and it was exactly like you said. You it was like on? you lose you lose track of time. I was yeah. out for like five days. Yeah. I was living on the Thai Burma border mm-hmm. and it's the most unbelievable illness. You, you said it, something, malaria? I have to cut you because you said yeah. something that really, really is important. What's that? You lose track of time. Yeah. You lose track. That's of time. how I felt when I had Ebola. Yeah. That's how I, I felt. I didn't know so when it was, when it was morning, when it was night. I just yes, didn't, you even didn't even know. realize how, serious my symptoms were so 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 i want to go make a, a comparison so our listening audience can understand and empathize no finish your thought when i said i had the flu and doc joked me they had to wake me up to sleep they had to wake me up to wake i didn't <laughs> know wake. i was asleep <laughs> i was asleep i didn't eat i didn't I, I did not eat i did not i think they changed my clothes they had, had to check on me but it felt like it felt like it was overnight but it was a week and a half uh-huh that I was in bed. I don't remember eating. I don't remember anything. But here's the thing. We're talking about three very different disease processes. But they, the symptoms. So if you want to put yourself, sympathize. Because you can't, I don't know anyone who can empathize with Ebola or malaria. The <coughs> flu, if you've ever had it. And then just magnify it. But it's that same concept. Everything's a fog. I kind of remember faces from that time. And I, I kind of don't. But the thing is, the reason it's important is because what we talk about all the time, we fight all the time, is people getting a flu shot. 
to not feel like that. If there's malaria prevention, there's Ebola prevention, everyone's lining up. Oh, we're going to take that. Right. People actually die. You can yeah, actually dude, there's die. A, there's a measles outbreak right now right. on the, on the yes. West Coast. Yes, like, there's there more, is there is one. more measles in the U.S. right now than there probably is in the continent of Africa. Ex- what? Okay. Exactly. And, and, and this is so painful because there is something that works. It yes. works. Hello. Yes. There is yes. something Science. that has been tried and tested. Evidence-based, tried, tested. All of a sudden it well, disappears. Y- and it's, so you know who, so I actually, I had to give a talk on this one. So you know who rejects vaccines and we should do a whole, a whole Jenny McCarthy. Yeah. Is our, our mostly white privileged people. That's that's who. And when I was in Sierra Leone, every meeting that we would have um, that was an official meeting, mostly that were in and around WHO centered stuff, they would always start the meeting with the number of cases there were of measles in Sierra Leone, Mm -hmm. because there was also that Disney outbreak that was happening in in the U.S. Right. And then they and then they would and then they were talking about what the number of measles cases that there were in the U.S. Like and today the U.S. has uh, 18 cases (laughs) more than Sierra Leone does of of measles. Go figure, right? So anyway, please continue. So please, please, that, that's so the pivot, but the I want to make it so that they really appreciate what we're talking about losing track of time. Yeah, so so when I had the, the started having the symptoms of Ebola, I started with terrible joint aches and pains, and I would feel like I'd walked a mile, even though I just hadn't done anything. And I started losing weight without even knowing because I didn't want to eat. And you know, my parents would come in and say, you know, just eat something, just try and eat something. I had sores all over my mouth and I didn't really, I just, it's like you, you're spaced out. Right. It's like you're feeling the symptoms, but then nothing else matters at that time. Yeah. It's so hard to explain. Like you're not asking, oh, so what's going to happen next? Is it going to be like, am I going to bleed out? Or it's like, I just need to get by the next second. I just need to get well. Right. So I mean, it's so just unbelievable discomfort. It's pain beyond belief. It's terrible it's, because it's you can't an, sleep. You can't do anything. Cause right. You're trying so hard every night to get it the best position. Blink. Right. Hurts to. Well, there's actually photophobia wow. with Ebola. Like you can't so open your, light, your light, eyes with light because light 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 it's very yeah. painful. There's ejection. It's hard to swallow your saliva. It's hard, it's, it's hard to swallow your saliva. There's sores everywhere in your mouth. Right, you have wow. canker sores wow. all over your mouth. You right? have fever you that no matter what you juice, take, right? it's wow. not gonna. It's not gonna. You, see, the fever does not subside. So with, you with you the imagine having imagine having a chronic fever, a chronic fever that does not get better with ibuprofen or Tylenol. You, you're not better at all. You're cry. I mean, to say when I saw people with Ebola to say that they were listless on the floor you we couldn't even get them up to get onto the bed and I don't mean to get graphic and, and Dr. Cooley forgive me but the 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 expelling of bodily fluids there, just, there's just no there's just no about you to can't, say that you can't that get is, up to go to the bathroom you that cannot. is the one thing hmm. that dehumanizes when you have Ebola right it's the fact that you're losing this amount of fluid mm-hmm. and there's nothing you can do to stop it it just happens gonna there's happen no, no there's no there's nothing there's nothing you can take to stop it like it just goes it just leaves your body from your mouth and from your rectum rectum mm-hmm. it, so it's both ways i had to have a bucket under my bed because there's no way i could keep going to the keep restroom up. to, to right. throw up i had to wear diapers because mm-hmm. when you're trying to get to the restroom, you're pooing on yourself. Yep, yep. And the nurses are not, they don't want to come in every time to wipe to, to, to clean Because they'll be there all day. Because right? they're scared. Right, they right, are so they scared. Right. They wouldn't even give us coming to give us our food. They'll drop it in front of the door like we were, you know, like, hey, just go, just come take Inhumane, your food. Right. Yeah. So it gets to the point where 
your life literally flashes in front of you and you see that human life really isn't there's it's fleeting it can go in a second yeah and then you take your time to think about what have i done with my life hmm. what happens if i die now like hmm. is it is it really over so then you start to make promises that if you do survive this if you actually come out of this place alive that you will make the best of the life that you have even if it's two years more you have it doesn't really matter how long you have mm -hmm. left it's what am i going to do when i'm out of here what can i do with the time that i have left because then you know now that death is around the corner for everybody yeah. for some people it's 10 years some is 20 years some is one year right so right it's, yeah. and then for you what you did was you decided to not pursue a career as an endocrinologist yes because i felt that there is really a need um for infectious disease doctors um globally I feel like there is a surge, there's an increase in um, emerging and re-emerging infectious diseases like we're seeing with Ebola. We're talking Ebola now. There's a current outbreak in DRC and we're talking about 700 cases now. And, and there's, there's conflict that's happening there. And the DRC conflict. is the Democratic Republic of the Congo. There's conflict there and that conflict is making it very difficult for organizations like Médecins Sans Frontières or Doctors Without Borders to come in and offer care. And uh, I would imagine that straining what are probably already strained resources in the DRC to so, begin with. So I want to go back and I want and to go Before to you do that, can I just say one thing real quickly? Let me just say one yeah. thing. Hold your thought. I just, for everybody that just heard Adore, uh, Dr. Cooley speak, I just want to go back to the beginning of the conversation about how men are such wusses when they get sick. Like what Dr. Cooley described, that's being sick, right? That's like, that's a level of empathy that is required. This And this is why it's also hard to be married to physicians or, mm -hmm. you know, like spouses of physicians, I'm, I, you know, because like spouses or family members get sick. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're not sick. You're not bleeding from an eyeball or something, you know, that's that what you have is a little bit of a cold. That's probably why male physicians don't really go to see doctors. That's without, uh, well, that's without, without question. question. So the thing ahead, I want to go back to yes, please. Uh, first thing I want to talk about so people can really get it. Your body's constantly under attack and you can help me with that. And you got to think of it. If you think of it as an army, if my ar if one army is fighting another army's army, how do you kill off the other troop? You cut its water supply and you cut its food supply. You make sure that they, they can't they can't replenish the food that it has. These diseases, it's not just Ebola. This that's a very very strong army. Of uh, it it not only cuts off the water supply and the food supply, it drains any water and food supplies that you might have so you cannot fight. We are constantly in a fight. The reason we tell we encourage you to get vaccinated because we know something that actually works that can help you fight. The reason we tell you to wash your hands, keep your bugs to yourself, protect yourself uh, with the STIs. We know how to protect you against the armies, but I think sometimes it gets so far-fetched, and I wanted to come from your side, coming from an outsider coming in, A, perception-wise, you're dealing with malaria like we deal with a bad cold or a flu. You said in, in the U.S., I don't know, it was, in, it was in, I don't know, maybe it was a board question or something. You read in a book about that much of a blurb about malaria and you know the suckle cell is protective and they're like, okay, whatever. <laughs> if, if there were a malaria outbreak here, it would be the equivalent of Ebola. People would go absolutely nuts. What did, how similar did malaria feel the first time you, you had it? And then I want to get to your perception of Ebola versus hers. 
I mean, malaria. I mean, I got malaria in 1992. I mean, if so, it was a long, long time ago. Was it yeah. any, anything like you'd ever <laughs> oh, felt? Oh yeah. Like oh no, no, before? no. It was. It was. It. It happened so like I, one minute I was feeling sick, the next minute they like put me. They put me. I was out in the jungle in Thailand, right on the Thai Burma border, mm. and they literally put me in a sick house. I was living in, amongst the Pokhran tribe, and so there was a. Uh, I was three days near the near. I mean, it took. Just to get Chiang Mai was the nearest big city in mm. Thailand, and to get there, it, it we had to go maybe something like maybe fifty kilometers by river up sure. up river. Then you had to take an elephant over to the nearest road where you had to wait for a car wait. to <laughs> go. Yeah, they, yeah, you, you had to ride said an that, elephant. Like you got to take the number one boy down to Canal Street. <laughs> Give me your Dude, pass this and was like, to the yeah. car. You, you had to catch an elephant. Adore, you understand this, right? <laughs> yeah. Adore understands this. This, this, this is, is not like... a normal conversation. People need to understand what we're talking about. So, yeah, so you, you, you caught the number two <laughs> elephant. <laughs> over. Yeah, keep going. Number elephant number two. two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, I'm not listening. I was with number two last week. Number two blew all over me. I'm only going number one well, or number three. Right, right. Number I three, hate number two. <laughs> number two doesn't like me. Don't let me go to number two. Has <laughs> an allergy to my cologne or something. <laughs> you wear cologne when you're sick. Stop listening to him. Stop listening to him. He stinks. <laughs> no, so um, so really no, I, cologne, I was, I was no, I was stuck. We, I was stuck. Like there was no medicine. There was no nothing. Like we were literally. You, if you had, if you had malaria where I was, like. Like you either like you know you either you get through it or you don't, Lift and, that, and that was it. They put me in a sick house, man. And I will tell you this: I I don't <laughs> talk about this often, but you got me. So <clears throat> I remember at one point. I would wake up and again you don't know if it's night or day right was and there an elephant in the room oh, that was corny, that was corny. <laughs> oh, sorry oh, dude. Dude. go ahead go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> so no but there was there was a snake and that's what I'm getting to <laughs> so that was that's been a great show <laughs> <laughs> so I so I would wake up and uh, and there would be like a plate of food that was covered and then there would be water right mm-hmm. that was always so it was always there and I would try to eat a little bit and then I would go to sleep and I'd wake up and then I was really hot. It was like in the middle of the day and I'd go to sleep and I'd wake up and it would be nighttime or whatever. Yeah. So at one point I woke up and I had to urinate. And so then I was like, okay, this is a good thing. And I didn't know that I had malaria. I didn't know. I wasn't in my own mind, but I did know, okay, this is a good sign if I have to get up to void. His body is working. Right. So I had to get up to void. Right. So I got up. And I stepped out of the sick hut that I was in, uh, and I knew that I had to be sick because I was in the sick hut, right? <laughs> and I stepped out into the jungle, and I and I started the process of avoiding, <laughs> and I realized right next to me was a snake, huh. like, and it was like it was lifted, oh. and its head was like right at my ankle, right at my my calf, right, and it was just looking at me, and I had no, like, at that point. I didn't, there was no fear. If I had had expressed any fear or if I had expressed any, it, it would have bit me. Like, there's no question about it. But it was because I, I had stepped right into its space. If I was one inch over, mm-hmm. I would have stepped right on it. But I just walked out into the jungle to, to void. And then I, I walked literally into the snake space. It lifted up. 
was looking right at like, me. Dude, and it was, if you pee on, if I had a foot, if you pee on me, <laughs> and I did not, I was like looking at, and I was just like, I was voiding, and I was like, what's up, man? And I was like, yeah, yeah that's if you bite like, me, like, that, like that's your buddy, because you were, you were like kind of like spaced out. You I was didn't so, really comprehend I was the level. So I was yes. in such a zone that so was that sick zone that you're in. What I was going to ask Adora you, is talking that's about. That's the one that I'm so talking there's about. There's two points I want to make. So was there really a snake, and that you were so you didn't care? Or was were you hallucinating? Well, I, I don't know. I'm assuming there was a snake. I mean, I remember it as a snake. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm serious, but th- that's a level of sick. No, though. but like, I mean, like when you're in that fog. I, and all I know is with the it's flu. It's fog. It's I, a fog. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, listen. I remember this as like it was yesterday. You know, there was no <laughs> elephant know, in the room, know. dude. They were, you know, there was there was no elephant. <laughs> it was a freaking snake. Was it a and, pink, pink snake? Purple no, snake? it was. Yeah, it no, looked ye- it looked yellow. But I but I knew the snakes that were in the jungle. You know, like it wasn't not. Like I was, was in the Thai jungle. There snake, was, right. It was a snake, right? Yeah. And so but says, but the yeah. thing is, is then, I, and I'm sure Adora can talk about this as well. Is that when you're at that level of sickness, yep. there is that level of like nothing else matters. Nothing, at that time. right? Yeah. You just nothing you're else. not every other element of your life that you this care is, about or you think about is not there. You're just struggling to live, right, so, and so, to wake up. So that's right? it. You so, are struggling because yes. you know you're going to go back to sleep. And when you go back to sleep, you may not wake up again. And yeah. when so, you close your eyes, you're just hoping you're going to wake back up again. So I'm making a point here. And again, I, I take time to let things play out. We're talking about three different disease processes with varying degrees of severity that we've all experienced. Um, Doc and I, I've never experienced malaria. You two have. We, You've never taken that number two elephant Ebola, uh, you know, <laughs> over to Chiang Mai. I've never seen an imaginary snake. Um, <laughs> was a snake riding the elephant? <laughs> Wait, does this sound like Jungle Book to you? No. Um, that should be the logo for but, this. <laughs> but, but but I've had the the flu and had similar not similar symptoms, but from my own perspective, similar. I don't know if I'm gonna live or die. Um, being in the fog. But there are dip varying levels, and it's based on your experience. Your malaria experience helped you understand. My flu experience helped me really, really I almost empathize because I know what you're talking about, the symptoms of the Ebola. So take the Ebola experience. I'm not sure if you've ever had the flu. but the, Maybe a mild version. I've a had mild version of the flu. My point is, people, it's, these, it's that serious. So when we're telling you to protect yourself, we're telling you these stories for a reason. So now I want to go to the perception. The perception, what made you feel like you had to do something besides your professional calling? Your perception of the Ebola outbreak, what made you feel like you had to step into action and your perception once you got there? And then I want to talk about what, what it was on this side and your perception of the people coming in from the outside. Well, I mean, it, it's hard for me to answer that question, Eric, be perfectly honest with you, with Dr. Cooley in the room right now, because, I mean, this was a woman who literally, literally, literally stopped the progression of the virus. She, she did. I'm, I'm, I, building. And, uh, I'm building. Okay. All right. So trust, I just want to like, I want to, I want to acknowledge so trust, that. Trust okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Like gonna, I, I am literally in awe of yeah. being here yeah. and that well, Dr. Cooley is talking about too. this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I am. Don't, don't, don't roll your eyes at me. This is true. Come on. You're, you come on, man. There's an elephant in the room. Come on. There's an elephant Listen, here's, here's, here's the bottom line. Bottom line is this, is that there was a massive epidemic that was happening and I had the skills to go do something about it Mm -hmm. it was that was it was the same thing with the haiti earthquake it was like it was the same thing with katrina it was the same thing like when you have a certain skill set 
you just you feel obligated there was no question as soon as the Ebola outbreak happened and I realized that this was not burning out like the rest of them were and that this one was actually sustaining it was that was it like I'm an infectious disease doctor you have to get up and go do something and that's with his hat on here the perception here of Ebola is that it was I mean so being in the media being a media doctor I have to allay I have to come with the facts and talk about, there was a study out today in Britain with about the e-cigarettes. Well, I'd say, no, you have to read the studies carefully because they'll do whatever for sensationalism. And it's not intentional. Uh, the people want to read stories and the public is, we're, they're subject to whatever we say. Ebola was perceived as, uh, I mean, it was, it was, it was a, almost like movie-like uh, panic that was taking place over here. And Doc had a different hat on. Well, I know what to do. I know what this is. I know what this isn't. Uh, let me go do something about it. What was the perception of Ebola from your perspective, right? You say Doctor Cooley, yeah, Doctor yeah, yeah. Cooley. No, okay. but I'm, I'm. I thought you wanted yeah. to chime in. But no, no, I no, 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 no. I want to hear Doctor Cooley. Yeah. The perception that I had of Ebola was: this is a disease that has no cure. This is a disease that has the potential of literally wiping out a whole country that is not prepared. Mm -hmm. And where I was at the time, Lagos had 23 million people, very <laughs> densely populated. Think about that. The <laughs> implication. <laughs> right. The implication of Ebola getting into Lagos and spreading into different states in Nigeria, like I probably would be dead by now. Mm. So thinking about that and thinking about letting the patient let him loose because he wanted to leave the hospital so badly. The, pa the, in the, the index the, patient. The, the index patient the wanted to leave the, the hospital. Which is the first person. Yeah. And, and so we had the duty of letting this patient stay in the hospital against his own will. We wanted to be sure that we could actually say that this person this person had Ebola and even if we didn't have a cure for him at least we could isolate him and we could contain him and not let him be in contact with the rest of the community and the public so it was we knew that we didn't have enough resources in Nigeria as a whole country but we knew that we had resources in Lagos because Lagos happened to be the most, the richest um, states in, in the country that could very easily deploy resources, financial, uh, it's material. The, it's the capital. It's not the capital, it's, but it's, it's... It's the most it's, uh, it's densely the, populated. It's the most densely populated. With it's the, the most resources. The most resources. And so um, that was the thing. Keep this patient here no matter what. And so we got infected very early on because that was at the point where we didn't even suspect that he had Ebola because we'd asked questions and, but now, I mean, looking back, obviously when a patient says they don't, they weren't in contact with someone who had fever or they didn't attend a burial, you take it with a pinch of salt and you just keep your, have a high index of, sus of suspicion regardless of what they say and regardless of, you know, what, what they present. Um, so we just wanted to contain it. We didn't want it to spread further. That was the main thing for us because we knew that Lagosians and Nigerians are very mobile people. We move around very easily. I'm here. That, that, that tells you something. Yes. We're everywhere yes. and one in five Africans is Nigerian. Yeah, it was one in, hold on. One, one, in, one in five, five yes. Africans in outside five. of Africa or in Africa? Everywhere in the world, one in five is, uh, is Nigerian. Is, is well, Nigerian. The, the, there's no question that the most common African that I meet on a day-to-day -day basis is, especially in the U.S., are Nigerians. Yes. Yes. We're everywhere. Yes. We're, 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 we're 200 million people now in, in the country. Wow. Jeez. Think 200 million people. Think about this. Uh, 200 million people, like uh, China is 1 billion. So that's mm -hmm. one-fifth one of, of the size wow. of China, which is the most populous country in the world. Yeah. 
That is insane. Yeah. So this again. So do you see why well, I? Again, that's I, why I wanted to finish. Like, why so I keep, admire yeah, Doctor Cooley so, so much. So keep going. So, so that that was why it was extra scary for us, and that was actually at the point where the World Health Organization just you know still of, denying. No, at that point, that they that were. was when they they actually declared international um, um, emergency. emergency of of, mm. of international concern. So that that was at the point where they they declared it because as soon as the cases started cropping up in Nigeria. I was like, no, this is, we don't want this. But maybe if I was in a country that wasn't as populous as, as Nigeria, maybe I would have had a different perception of the disease and, you know, the possibility of it actually yeah, spreading and causing so much, you know, devastation in the country. But I think what Dr. Griggs is getting to is your call for duty. Yeah. What did you, what, yeah, what you, pushed you to action? Yeah. Well, besides having it was it, your call you to duty. You knew that you were putting yourself in harm's way, but you did it because you knew that you were protecting uh, 25 million people in, in Lagos, just minimum 25 million people, let alone 200 million people in the rest of your country. It was your call to duty. And that that's precisely, you know, why, why even when I had the option of probably not even showing up at work, I knew that not showing up at work, it would somehow come and bite me because it would spread, It'd probably spread to my family, probably probably spread to to my next door neighbor. So it wasn't it wasn't like if I protected myself, I would be protected because protecting myself would not protect me, but protecting others would might protect me. And that was what I thought. But but. Protecting others was was more important to me than protecting me, and I think maybe it's because of the the, the reason why I entered into medicine in the first place. It wasn't really much about me, but it was that um, sense of duty that I I you know felt that I had to my country, to humanity, and to being able to reduce the sufferings and the burdens of of disease you know all around me. So. Um, when I was asked to see the patient regardless, even if we weren't fully protected, it didn't matter at that point. We just wanted to get this as contained as possible, as quickly as possible. Wow. Yeah, um, so we have a couple minutes yeah. left. Uh, Dr. Cooley, can you just tell us real quickly about kind of what you think the future of infectious diseases are and what we, you know, I know we, ha and we'll have you back. So if you'll, if you'll come back, we promise no more Ebola. And then we'll definitely talk about, maybe just give us a preview of what your plans are. What the, I, I mean, do you look at climate change and see that as being an issue with infectious diseases or uh, ways of ameliorating poverty, obviously as a way to get into infectious diseases? I mean, kind of what are some global thoughts uh, from your perspective? And I know we have like two and a half minutes. So. Yeah, so like I said before, infectious diseases are diseases of poverty and that's where they thrive in you know poor communities that, you know, I'll give an example of, say, Lassa fever. Lassa fever is passed on by rodents. And the problem with Lassa is that these rodents are in the, the poor communities. And you know how some people eat eggs for their protein and some people eat chicken for their protein. A lot of poor communities actually eat rats for protein. Okay. So they handle the rats and they, the rats actually live in the midst of the people because some of the houses are made of mud and the rats actually burrow in the middle of the, the mud houses and they live there. So they actually coexist with them. So being able to get rid of rats would be the way to get rid of Lhasa, but it's and not very easy. To, you can't get rid of right. And Lhasa is a virus. It's also ca uh, categorized as a is categorized as a viral hemorrhagic fever uh, as well. 
Viral hemorrhagic fever to what does that mean? Dr. Cooley. To the general. Well, they, they, general. So I mean, I'm they, talking they, to, they, the, to, to our listeners that aren't in the medical profession. Yeah. Loss of fever. Loss of fever. It's a virus. Rifali fever. That can cause uh, marble marble fever. They can cause Ebola. bleeding. Ebola, right. It's just basically it's capillary leak syndrome. So uh, essentially what happens with the viral hemorrhagic fevers is that... You literally bleed from your eyes and the small blood vessels in your body. You, yeah, you're... you're Clotting factor derangement and all that. That it just the, the because of, because of the ability for the blood to clot can be disordered and misordered yes. uh, due to infection with the virus. So it's the stuff you see on TV. Um, it can really happen. Uh, it's related to the people living in the, in the lower socioeconomic uh, uh, regions with coexisting, eating, and living in with rats and rodents uh, because their houses are made of mud. So I would say that the way to actually handle infectious disease is public health reforms. Yep. Most of most of this most of these communities that have these diseases have very very weak infrastructure, health infrastructure, very weak systems, and don't even have access to universal health. They don't have a, a, a very low. They have a very low universal health coverage. So if you're not able to access basic health needs, and you know, primary health is not sorted out you're going to see a uh, re-emerging and emerging disease coming up every time like we're seeing in ebola so that that's one of the the main ways to actually contain infectious diseases making sure that health is seen as a basic human right. yeah yeah you're right and, true that and not Policy. just as something that is only for the uh, people that are privileged people that have the means and the money to be able to pay for health Get checked, get fit, get moving. It's been an amazing show. We promise to have Dr. Okola back. Dr. Okola, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. This we're, is we're moving relevant. to Tuesday. Yeah, we're moving. Oh, talk yeah, about that. Yeah, we're moving to Tuesday starting uh, next Tuesday at 10 o'clock. We'll be on air. Uh, and uh, Dr. Griggs and I will be back with Get Check, Get Fit, Get Moving. And then uh, Charles Corpru will be taking uh, this spot starting next week. Dr. Akuli, thank you so very much. Thank Look you. for us on the Play Store. Get Check, Get Fit, Get Moving. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com.